The Space God Memoirs. Season 2, Episode 16 I sat upon the small cot in my private chamber, the form-fitting mattress supporting my body perfectly. About a half hour ago, I'd finally been let out of the healing baths and shown to my personal room. It had been described to me as a simple cell, but compared to anything back on Arubis, it was absolutely lavish. I sat up and walked to the wash basin opposite my bed. It looked like a stone bowl built into a waist-high pedestal. There were no visible pipes or faucets here, but when I reached my hand into the bowl, water spouted from below, covering my hands. Despite all the wonders I had seen, this one was almost a miracle. Scrappers back home would have fought wars to get something like this. I cupped the cool water in my hands and splashed it over my face, running it across my eyes and rubbing them. I then took a bit more water in my hands and drank it, letting it run down my throat and remembering the days when people would die from lack of water. Not here, that was for sure. I stepped back and fell onto the bed once more, stretching myself out. I had some time to kill before I began my official training with the Nyar. Probably similar to all that virtue stuff back on Gaxinal 4. Shortly after that, I was sure they'd be wanting to dig into my past lives to find out what exactly it was the Vare were after. Until then, I could relax, recover, center myself. In my mind, an itinerary popped up, a reminder. During relaxation time, familiarize yourself with the functions of the monad, measurements of bodily functions and maintenance, morality rankings, atra levels. Ugh, couldn't I even have a moment to myself? To do, uh, whatever it was these people actually did in their free time. Did they have bars? Go to dances? Read books? What could I even do in this room anyway? I was not really in the mood to go over the monad silly itinerary. And while I had always treasured my leisure time, I wasn't entirely sure what to do with it. The feeling too zapped out to make any plans. So I sat up and stared at the walls. Just looking at them, I could tell that the pale stucco pattern was just a hologram. A visual texture, with a numbered ID and underlying code. Focusing on it, I saw an extensive list pop-up of other possible appearances for the walls. With a thought, I changed the ugly stucco to shiny red brick. But that looked kind of hokey. So I then switched it out to a set of pale stone blocks engraved with elaborate patterns, like something in an ancient ruin. That was interesting for an instant, but then I realized that there were countless other ways I could make the room look. Briefly, I gave it a neon rainbow appearance with glowing walls of throbbing lights. But then I absolutely had to go into some of the crazier possibilities. Moments later, I was looking at my walls like they were windows into bizarre alien worlds, gazing upon coral mountains covered in drifting clouds or psychedelic landscapes where the hills had eyes and the lakes squirmed with tentacles. 
but it wasn't just the walls. I also had control over the room's temperature, humidity, along with the ability to set background noise, scent, and even a setting for psychic ambience. I was informed that this was made to accommodate over 10,000 worlds of people, all with their own personal tastes and comforts. Morga munch and weirdness, but kind of fun. After messing around with the room and its controls for way too long, I finally settled on some shiny red walls with scale patterns and golden serpents, along with a pleasantly fresh atmosphere and some mood-lifting upbeat music. Feeling about done with interior decorating, I supposed it was time to give the itinerary a look-see. The monad. I only had a vague idea of how it all worked or what it really was. Labels on everything. Every object, thought, and emotion measured and rated. It was a scragging catalog of the universe, detailing every fact imaginable and probably a bunch that weren't. How deep did it go? Picking once more at my arm, I was reminded again of how it was in every cell of my body, which itself was swimming with nanites that connected directly to the monad. When I closed my eyes, I could feel it in my thoughts. A subtle, but constant presence. The feeling of something watching me. Watching my every action. My every thought. As the list suggested, I brought up my morality rankings, displayed like a complex set of charts around my form. Ratings in 7 core virtues and 28 periphery virtues. My ranking in courage was at 3, reason at 2, and compassion at 2. The rest were at a humble level 1. The lowest possible ranking. How high did they go? At that thought, the monad brought up some sample morality charts for the Nyar council members. Ratings of over 9 or 10,000 in some virtues. Uh, I was at the very bottom of their pyramid, like some pathetic child compared to these lofty Nyar lords. Scrag, I bet Z could see that too. The kiss I had given her probably felt like getting kissed by some love-struck kid. Totally inappropriate. A message from within the monad interrupted my negative train of thought. Initiate, your next lesson will take place five standard hours from now, and will feature teachings on the virtues and on meditation. Wow, lesson already. I wasn't sure how I felt about all that. Even after my experiences down in the Gaxinal Temple, there was a part of me that was still peeved about these lessons. Virtues, morality systems, and whatnot. I was finally off of Aruvis, out of the farmworld reincarnation system, out in space. And here I was in school. Going to lessons, learning how to behave myself like a good little boy. That same part of me yearned to be free. To take a ship and vanish into the infinite cosmos. To live my life. To explore. To love. To grow. But at that moment, I was stuck on the Amethyrium with the Nyar. It was either that or deal with the Veyr scumbags that ran my homeworld and wanted to hunt me down. <sighs> Maybe after all this crazy war stuff was behind us, I'd find a bit more room to breathe. Trying to push the pesky thoughts out of my head, I leaned further into my mattress, cushioned and yet firm. Only five hours until my training. Did these people even believe in proper sleep? No. Some info popped into my mind indicating that the Nyar bodies were optimized to not need nearly as much rest as a farm worlder's body. Still, my muscles were tired. 
My mind frazzled from all the constant stimulation it had gotten. Yeah, this was my time to rest. So I settled into a steady breathing rhythm, the same one that had gotten my thoughts calm enough to fly a starship. My worries soon slipped away, all notions floating into the rhythm of a trance. Sweetly spiced incense filled the air. Lights flickered from hundreds of candles set in votives along the walls. I sat cross-legged upon a pillow, the room before me draped in deep red curtains. Colorful mandala paintings centered on each of its four sides. I was alone, waiting, just like instructed. At the expected time, a message had popped into my head via the monad, informing me to meet my instructor in meditation room G6. And thus, here I was. The curtain to my left rustled, a mustard yellow hand pushing it aside to reveal my teacher, who stepped through into the room. I stared dumbfounded at her pretty bald head, the woman's serene features clear in the dancing candlelight. Damanya? A chill ran through me, the thought of seeing her alive. Her clothing was different, and a pattern of gemstones was bedazzled across her bald head. But she was clearly the same person. Ah, Initiate Kef, she said with a slight bow of head. It is good to see you again. Demanya fully faced me, sitting upon the pillow opposite mine. Uh, yeah. Hi, Demanya. It's good to see you again, too. Uh, alive and well. I tossed up an awkward smile. Of course, Kef, she answered. It brings me pleasure to see you again as well. Yeah, I just figured you for dead after that huge explosion where you sacrificed your scrag in life so me and Z could escape. Be that as it may, I stand among the living with you on this day. She wore a bright, unironic smile. Ugh, of course she wasn't gonna give me a straight answer. Just like with Z, there was always some stupid mystery with all the Nyar. I shrugged. Demanya gazed into my eyes her yellow skin appearing golden in the candlelight, her petite body clothed in sky-blue robes. She continued to wear that bright smile on her plump lips. Are you ready for your training, Initiate Kef? A memory flashed into my mind, the Bugman Ven sitting cross-legged on a similar cushion, teaching me his people's breathing techniques as we looked out over Ganadria City from the old lab. I nodded. Sure, I guess... What's this one going to be about? Today we will discuss the path of the virtues, of reason and courage and compassion, and we will end on a meditation involving the latter. Demanya waved her left hand, and three bright lights appeared in the air above her head, a blue, red, and yellow one. So why this virtue stuff? Sounds like something out of a religion to me. And back on Aruvis, religion was pretty scragged. The Naya do not practice their techniques out of religious devotion, faith, or tradition. Rather, it is science which guides us in our morality. Really? Science? Like the same science you use to measure the distance between stars or build a machine? In a way, yes. Our studies in Atric Metabiology have shown us that Atra flows more freely in a body-mind complex that is clear from attachments, from the obstruction of negative thought patterns and from unmitigated desires. Over the course of millennia, we have devised this system of virtues as a way to help us achieve a state of equilibrium within ourselves. In the air above Demania, I watched as particles of golden energy moved from one orb to another, 
flowing in a constant waveform pattern. Cultivating these virtues is a way to keep your mind clear, your thoughts under control, and your emotions in check. In turn, you will become more capable of channeling the Atra, holding more of it, and expanding your awareness into higher states. The three lights above Demania's head begin to glow with more intensity, the energy balls themselves growing to double their original size. She placed both hands on her lap and continued. Many of these concepts do originate from philosophical or religious traditions of pre-awakening eras, though they have been filtered through the lens of modern understanding. As an initiate, you are told to foster the three virtues of reason, courage, and compassion, concepts that nearly all cultures can understand and practice. Yeah, I get it. Basically, it boils down to don't be an asshole. Demania chuckled quietly. <laughs> yes, essentially that is true. Later on you'll be taught more subtle virtues, but for now, we will keep it simple. Compassion can be a difficult subject to teach with words alone. It is often fruitless to try and convince a person to be kind, to empathize with others. Even if you could persuade another to act in kindness due to their own self-interest, they would not perceive the inner benefit that the virtue confers. To truly foster the virtue of compassion, one must feel it, experience it. Thus we have this meditation to do just that. I take it you are familiar with the concept of meditation. Hey, I may have been an uncultured yug from a backward planet, but I have meditated before. Old Ven had shown me how to quiet my mind, a necessary step to connecting to any ship with a mental interface. Hopefully this one would have as much value. Very well. Then get comfortable in your seat. We shall begin with a simple mind link, allowing me to more easily transmit instructions to you. She looked into my eyes. I gulped, momentarily tense at connecting with another person's mind again. But within those eyes was a warmth, with the feeling of taking a hot bath on a cool day. A surge of relaxation poured into me, flowing from my head down into my legs. A vision flashed through my mind's eye. A person much like Demania, on her knees before a grand statue of a multi-headed man, her head bowed in supplication, her mouth uttering a mantra, her past. The vision left as quick as it came, and then I was in my own head again, though now Demania was in there with me. Not as an invader, but as a guest. I shall transmit the instructions for the meditation on compassion to you via thought patterns. Her calm voice spoke without speaking. I sensed a packet of ideas on the edge of my consciousness. I reached out to them, and it immediately became clear what I needed to do. Following the directions, I closed my eyes. I then took my first inward breath, spreading it out over seven counts until my lungs were full of air. Without pause, I let it out through my mouth until the lungs were empty. At that moment, I focused slightly upward, to the spot between my eyes, but a bit up, about an inch from my head. There I envisioned a pearl-like object, a shining ball of white. Within its radius, I visualized a red spiral pattern of specific proportions, each segment being the size of the prior two segments added together. I breathed in again, seven counts, and breathed out the same, placing more focus into that spot. 
imagining the image growing brighter and brighter until it shone with a fluid opalescence. For my monad-bolstered senses, it appeared before me as real as a physical object, and I stared wide-eyed into its radiance. The symbol of love, stated Demania in my mind. I opened my eyes to my teacher seated there, her face beaming with the serenity of a saint. The symbol still shone in the air before me, even with open eyes. As I focused on it, the geometric figure grew more solid, almost three-dimensional, the shape reminding me of a shell from the ocean's shore. Continuing my breathing cycle, I could see the atra flowing at the edges of my vision, beyond the ever-brightening geometry, the metaphysical particles spinning and coalescing around me. Then, as the instructions played out in my mind, on the twenty-fourth breath I closed my eyes and willed the image to dissolve. The atra was still around me, in far greater detail, flowing around the room in steady rivulets. A warmth began to spread through me, tears welling up in my eyes. The spiraling sigil of compassionate love was spreading around me, not as a visual, but surging through my emotions, caressing my insides, pulsing with my heartbeats. Images moved through my mind's eye of swimming through deep seas, where beings dwelt that wore shells in that exact spiral pattern, swimming together surviving together, thriving as one. More life appeared in that sea, great scaled fishes and spiny crustaceans, forests of ropey seaweed that rippled in the drifting waters. It was all connected, a cycle of life and death, birth and rebirth, everything relying on everything else in this united ecosystem, and I felt a part of it all. Not just that ocean, but the surface beyond, covered in life of infinite diversity, but all alive, all aware, and deserving of love. It was all me. The bliss of the meditation dissolved my worries, my concerns about the monad watching me, everything involving Zarathra and our kiss, our future. It all melted into that essence of compassion, of connectedness. As I sat there upon my pillow, a glow in the warmth of that emotional caress, a new peace, began to drift away into the embrace of the unconscious, the Nyar's meditation inundating my thoughts. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Space God Memoirs. Space God is written, performed, and produced by A.M. Arctos. Original musical score by Alpha Colors. Various sound effects created by Industrial Strength Records Incorporated. Please support this podcast by following, rating, and sharing on your favorite social media site. For further info on Space God, its creator, and various other opinions, musings, and thoughts, go to www.spacegodmemoirs.com or follow me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. If you enjoyed the Space God Memoirs, please consider supporting us by becoming a patron. Check out the Patreon link in our description to learn more.